If you're here for improv, go away. This is Other Than Improv with Anthony Francis. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Other Than Improv. I'm your host, Anthony Francis. The music you just heard is our opening intro music written by Tony Tata and Ben Brown, two very wonderfully talented local musicians. Tony Tata is our music director for Improv U, and I couldn't be happier. And Ben is uh, just an amazing trumpet player, singer, a lot of fun. So our guest today, he is an improviser from New York. He is the Justin part of From Justin to Kelly. They run the Countdown Improv Theater, and they also run the Countdown Improv Festival I believe one of the greatest, if not the greatest improv festival in the whole world. And it's located in Tampa, Florida, when it's not 100% online due to COVID. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Peters. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? Hey, man. Uh, So welcome. Thanks so much for doing this. Third best improv festival in the world. That's what it says on our website. Right now. Okay. So you said that, but why? Why is it the third best? I have to know. Well, I got to say, um, trying to pump up the... uh, the Palm Beach Improv Festival. So Palm Beach Improv Festival, whatever everyone liked about Countdown this year, Palm Beach is going to be better. And then oh, my favorite stop. improv festival. And it's true. It's true. You're going to take everything that we learned in August. And uh, I have no idea when this is going to run. Maybe this is going to run in October. And we're talking about <laughs> something that's happening in the future that actually happened in the past. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? So, so right now I am trying to build up a little bit of the coffers to... Um, to get the, you know, to get the show, you know, kind of built up before I start publishing them. Also, as I talked about with you, I've, uh, this has been a very interesting journey for me. So, uh, in terms of, you know, production and, and finding, finding a podcast that works that I enjoy doing. And, and I can't think of anything more fun than interviewing improv improvisers. And so, yes. So right now I would say it'll probably be out before the festival. I'd like to think it will be (laughs) nice. Nice. Well, we're super jazzed for PBIF. It's going to be great this year. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's very humbling because, I, like I said, I think you guys, uh, you and Kelly do such an amazing job. Just the two of you, you're like an army um, the way that you work. So the whole point of this podcast is to interview improvisers about the things that they do, their skills, their talents, their secrets, I guess, uh, other than improv, right? What do you do that's not improv? Because Every time, I, and we talked about this a little bit, every time we go, I go to a festival or I, I do improv, I meet improvisers, and they have the most interesting backgrounds, the most interesting lives. They lead interesting lives. And I wanted to kind of uncover that with this. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what makes me excited to to do this and interview you because you're one of those people who inspired this whole thing because I was like, people oh, like Justin. No, no, it's true. Stop. People like no. Justin who write for Slate, who have a book, who um, do some other really interesting things we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, So that's really part of it, like where I go, okay, what are these things that these people do? And also for me, like I have a I have a secret life. I have a thing. But no, but we've all done a bunch of different things. Right. (laughs) So that's the point of this podcast. And if you're just listening now, welcome to Other Than Improv. That is what it's about. If it's your first time listening to the podcast Uh, and Justin, let's get into it. Tell me what is uh, what is that thing that you do other than improv? Um, where to begin? Um, so, you know, improv takes up a lot of my life, but when I'm not doing shows or running festivals or, you know, other stuff, uh, I'm a writer and a journalist, and I've been doing that, you know, ever since college. 
um, yeah. You wrote a really interesting article that I loved, especially it was really timely too for me because I was interested in it and your article really helped, but it was all about um, uh, the THC, all the different THCs or the... the CBD. CBDs. CBD. There we go. Yeah. The CBD, the, the lighter side of THC, the CBD. Uh, you You did an article where you got to just ingest a whole bunch of CBD and write about it. Yeah, I spent a month becoming CBD man. Basically, I acquired as many CBD products as I could find, everything from CBD shampoo to CBD mac and cheese to CBD essential oils with uh, the CBD massage candle. And uh, I spent a month trying to ingest and coat my body in nothing but CBD um, substances. I felt very sick at the end of this. I uh. do not recommend. Uh, not a good idea. Uh, but it's interesting that you first said THC because that is very much what the CBD industry, I think, is banking on people thinking that CBD is basically just um, like THC, uh, which is not at all the case. CBD is not psychoactive at all. Uh, and mostly the amount of CBD you get in the commercial products you find in the store is basically low enough that any effect it'll have on your body is basically indistinguishable from a placebo effect. That was my conclusion at least. So, I mean, to bring it back to what I, <laughs> what I do is not like debunk CBD, uh, but right. like for Slate, uh, I've been writing for them since 2005 uh, in wow. various capacities. Yeah, I've covered uh, sports, politics, I've covered crime, I've covered um, media, and a few times a year, I serve as their human guinea pig, which is they, you know, tell me, go eat CBD for a month and write about it. And I do that. Uh, you know, once I actually had to wear um, adult diapers for a week and sort of write about that. So, you know, all sorts of weird stuff that wow. I've done in the name of sort of journalism. Well, I, I mean, what I liked about your writing is what I like about all really great journalists is you wrote, you reported, you know, you, you reported it. And I liked that. And it was very mature, professional, I should say, in the way that you presented the information. Uh, and my favorite was the, um, the CBD cocktail toppers. That was probably the grossest. <laughs> Ugh, like you just poured on top of a cocktail. What are yeah, you cocktail floaters. It's like in oh. a little eyedropper and yeah, you drip it on top. Now I suck at making cocktails to begin with, but if you combine my terrible cocktail with this gross, hempy eyedropper stuff, it just goes from like bad to terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So you write for Slate, and when I first met you, the first thing that went, oh, wow, I had no idea, is that you wrote a book, and I don't know if you've written other books, but I do know you wrote this one book, and I'm pretty sure you made multiple copies of it. I don't have the only one. but uh, No, there's two. There's, there's two. two <laughs> okay. uh, the, you wrote this book, and it's beautiful. Like the, the packaging is great. It's got like a nice paper cover with, um, with really nice coloring, and it's, it's just a really nice quality print print job on this but it's called the idealist aaron schwartz and the rise of free culture on the internet by justin peters 
and it's all about correct me if i'm wrong well what is the book about it's about right yeah um, i mean i i don't want to subtitle basically says it (laughs) right Uh, um so yeah so when we met it was uh 2015 at uh the tampa improv festival and at that point i was about two months away from my book coming out my book was published in january 2016 it's about this computer programmer named Aaron Swartz who killed himself at age 26 when he was, after being indicted by the federal government on 13 felony charges for excessive downloading. Uh, he was an interesting guy. He he's was the, the inventor co- of Reddit, right? Or a founder? Yeah, he's, he's one of the co-founders of Reddit. Um, he was involved in the RSS, uh, one of the RSS standards. Um, he you know, is very big in sort of internet activism. And he was a sort of a prodigy from a very young age. And, you know, when he died in 2013, my editor at Slate said, hey, this could be an interesting story for you. You want to write about this guy's life and death? And I said, sure. And, you know, a day later, I was on a plane to Illinois to attend his funeral. And I spent a month learning everything I could about his life. And, published his 14,000 word article on Slate about a month after he died. Uh, and I, I beat all the other magazines that were uh, competing with me. The thing, like when you're on a hot story, you know that like New Yorkers after it too, and New York Magazine is after it too. And we knew that. So but I got it out first, which was good because wow. the day, yeah, the, I broke, I broke it. Yeah. yeah. And like literally the day after the story published, um, um, an editor emailed me and said, hey, this is an interesting story. You want to turn this into a book? And one thing led to another. And I signed with, you know, a good agent at a really good uh, publishing company, uh, Scribner. They published Stephen King and, you know, they published F. Scott Fitzgerald and stuff like that. And like the book came out uh, two and a half years later, sank like a stone. Uh, (laughs) did, did not make a huge dent in the, uh, the marketplace. Turns out there's not that much interest in this guy's life. It turned out, but you know, it's a real book. I went on a book tour and everything. Uh, I was in airport bookstores and it's in fucking libraries. And, you know, I've spoken about it all over the world. I still get sort of emails. I just got an email about it yesterday from someone. Uh, so yeah, sort of a cool thing. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think as an improviser, you know that just because something isn't mainstream doesn't mean it's not incredibly important. Well, it's funny, like I when I signed the book contract, I'm like, this is going to change my life. I know that this is going to change my life. And it did, just not in the way that I expected. Right. I fully expected the book to be a bestseller. I put my heart and my soul into writing it. It almost killed me. It's very, very hard to write a book, it turns out. Um, And then. You know, it, it it came out and like, for whatever reason, it didn't get, you know, great pickup in like the press. And it like, I got really good reviews, like from most places, but, you know, it, it, it came and it went. And you don't really expect that, you know, the most public thing that you have done in your life up to that point, it's just going to come and go. And then when it goes, like, well, it'll come out in paperback and there'll be a little more of a, you know, burst of uh, publicity there. But then you're basically back to being who you were. And like, that was interesting. Like, you're still the same person when you do something that is like international, 
Um, you, mm. you, you don't you don't transform immediately. It just like it comes and it goes, and then you're back to you. And if you expect like the lines on your resume to define who you are as like a person, like then you're just gonna be disappointed and sad. I think, and I, I was sad for a while that like the book didn't make the impact that I thought it would. But then I realized, you know, this changed my life. I wrote a book. No one can take that away from me. People really like it. The people who like it really like it. You know, I, it's a good book. It yeah. advances scholarship in so many like areas. Um, and I got to have sort of experiences and stuff and that's cool. And I'm writing another one now too. So, you know, there's always room for more. That's right. That's right. You were telling me you're going to write a, uh, a good uh, a beach read yeah exactly it's a <laughs> it's a page turner this time yeah uh well i think that's wonderful and i as someone who i also have uh written or started to write a book uh i couldn't figure out how to end it of course it's just an instruction guide for short form improv but i figured now i can just write improv short form games now at the end here <laughs> i guess i could do that forever so i'm gonna stop at like 10 and then if you have other games you want to play, you can just find them on your own. But yeah. I understand the process of writing a book. And I didn't write a book that was nearly as detailed, nearly as important as what you've written here. Plus, you broke the story on it, which is so interesting. Did you run into any uh, other reporters when you were maybe like at the airport or at the funeral? Did you? No, no, it wasn't like in the movies where you're sort of glaring at each other from across like the uh, the halls of the church. But, right. you know, talking to people, sources, you did hear like, oh, I talked to the guy from the New Yorker last week. And I'm like, fuck, mm. like I got to move faster. <laughs> wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the whole experience has it has it. And I guess, you know, as you mentioned, but it has changed you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely changed me. Um, like, I mean, mo mostly simply like that's the, you know, I, I, I wrote a book, it was published, it was, it's in libraries and bookstores, you know, like it, I now know what it's like to put every brain cell I have to work on one particular project and try to make my peace with that project even if it's not like as good as you think it'll be in your mind and you, know, you see this with improv like you, your vision of the show you know you're capable of doing so rarely corresponds to the show you actually end up doing and it was sort of like that with the book like you see yourself writing a book, you're like, it's going to be an A plus book for sure. At least that's what I think, you know, like right. I'm a fucking, I know, I know I'm a good writer. I know I'm smart. I know I can execute this. My book that I envision in my head, it's going to be an A plus book. And then at the end, when you turn it into your publisher, you're like, fuck man, this is B plus, A minus at best. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, what do you do with that? Like, you just gotta, you know, you, I, you, you make your peace with it. Yeah, there's definitely now, especially with, uh, you know, in the age of COVID where I'm having to pivot and expand and do things that are different. I feel the same way where I'm no longer, I'm no longer at everything. Everything I'm attempting now isn't as proficient as being an improv performer or an improv teacher, or, you know, coaching or, you know, coaching companies with improv. I'm not doing that now. I'm doing other things. And those things are not at the level I want them to be at. So I have to push through that downtime 
So Justin, you do another thing, another very interesting thing that I did not expect that I just have so many questions on. Uh, you are a beer vendor at Wrigley Stadium in Chicago, and you you did that for 20 years? Still do it, Wrigley Field. Yeah, you I mean, still not, do it. not this year because there's no in-person baseball, but I grew up in the Chicago area, and summer's home from college, I was looking for a fun summer job, and they were hiring uh, stadium you know, concession vendors at Wrigley Field, and I've always been a Chicago Cubs fan, so I signed up for the job, and I did it through college, and then I did it after college, and then I just never quit the summer job that I had uh, as a kid, uh, and now literally this would have been my 21st year in the uh, stadium doing it. It's a unionized job, which is how I can you know, continue to get hired while living in New York. Uh, they don't require you to be there all that much, but if I put in 15 games a year, I can, and you know, don't sell beer to seven-year-olds. Like, right. uh, you know, I can work there in perpetuity and it's cool because my parents still live in the area. So I always combine trips home to see them with, you know, work, trips and I can, you know, offset the cost of the plane ticket, but it's been cool, man. I've, you know, been to world series and like baseball game. I've sold beers to celebrities. I sold a beer to Bill Murray. Oh. Uh, yeah. I sold a beer to uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas from American pie. I actually had no fucking idea who he was. I carted him and he gave me a look. He's like, really? You surely, you know me. And I'm like, all right, guy. Uh, I had a moment with Billy Corgan once, um, which was weird. I was uh, walking up a, uh, a section and I noticed Billy Corgan, you know, sitting there. He's a big guy. I've actually had multiple, yeah. like just random interactions with Billy Corgan in my life, which, you know, it's, it's sort of strange how it keeps on popping up. But he's a huge guy, like 6'4", 240. And like, our eyes meet. And I'm like, I appreciate you. <laughs> and then we fist bump, we fist bump. And then I give him a little finger gun and I'm like, Hey, never stop. And then nice. he just gives me, he gives me a little nod and then I walk away. So <laughs> it was weird. But you're, but see, you're the beer vendor. So you have, you have access that you have a reason like it, you, I don't know. I think that's like kind of a great little like thing to have. Like, yeah, you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have, I mean, it would have been weird if you, had seen him and you walked up to him while he was watching the game, he'd be like, Hey, I'm watching the game, but you're the beer vendor. You're almost, you're, you know, you're, you're baseball royalty. Oh, totally. Everyone loves a beer vendor, right? You know, yeah. everyone loves me, you know, walking around yelling, joking with people, um, you know, pouring beer. I'm the most popular guy in the stadium, me and like my 150 colleagues. Yeah. I would have to say in order of importance or in order of respect, it goes beer vendor and the camera guy who puts you on the monitor. <laughs> exactly. Right? Well, f funny story about that. Like, Do you know that guy? <laughs> I do. I'm actually, like, he was, he was at my wedding. That's absolutely oh true. <laughs> but, yeah, the guy who runs the video board at Wrigley Field, we played fantasy football together since high school, and, like, he was actually at my wedding. <laughs> That's amazing. You were going to say something else. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to lose that. What was that? No, no, that, 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 that was basically it. Like, yeah, I actually oh. do know that guy. Oh, uh. Oh, that's great. What else I mean, can I, you do? I mean, I do that with everybody, though, and that's the fun part about the job. Sometimes people are like, really? You're still 
selling beer. Like, I thought you were smart. And I'm like, well, you know, what? you condescending prick. Like, You're a genius. What are you yeah, talking like, about? You it's, to... Yeah, it's fun as hell. Like, you get to, like, have these, like, 45-second long little fucking scenes with people all day long, you know? Like, yeah. just little, like, one-on-one, -on -one, like, interactions and, like, make people laugh and, you know, fucking milk them so that they tip you a little bit better. Um, yeah. I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it until my knees give out. That's great. I mean, and you've been doing it since you were how old? Uh, since I was like 18, 19 years old. So since, are you, two, since, since 2000, since so 2000. Are you, yeah. like the, are you like the wise beer vendor to Ooh, young kids? Oh or? my God, no. I'm, I don't even have like that much seniority, dude. There's this one guy, Ira, who's worked there since like the mid 60s. It's like 1963. Oh my like, God. Yeah, no, like... I would have to work there for 20 more years in wow. order to consistently get the product that I want to sell in the location where I want to sell it. So you're, so you're, you've been there for 20 years and you're not even considered, I mean, are you, are you kind of in that circle? I mean, at 20 years, there must be some recognition for your services, right? I mean, like after 20 years, some of the old timers finally start talking to you. You know, right? but <laughs> I wondered, like, yeah, when, how long until you're noticed by, oh, you've been here, look, I've been here 20 years. I guess, like, I guess I'll now I'll tell you my name. Well, yeah, it was basically like that, you know, now, like, people that wouldn't fucking give me the time of day when I only had 15 years on my belt, they're now like, you know, you know, see you tomorrow, Justin, you know, or like at the end of the season, they're like, have a good winter, you know. <laughs> 15, he's only been here 15 years. Don't talk to that kid. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever done anything for 15 years in a row. <laughs> oh man, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fun as hell. It really is. Wow. I want to ask one last question, which is uh, at the end of this, because you are an improviser, what advice would you give? One little piece of advice, just one thing. It doesn't have to be the thing, just a thing that you'd give advice to, to an improviser starting out. Okay. Kenny says that uh, Kenny says this a lot, and I completely agree with it. Uh, it's that you are enough. You are enough. The improv industrial complex, this is me now, mm -hmm. uh, is set up to convince you that you aren't enough, that you need uh, sort of levels and levels and levels of classes, and you know, you need to work on particular skills and become the most well rounded improviser ever and master all sorts of forms. And in trying to become proficient at improv, you sometimes people can, you know, start to doubt that they have what it takes to succeed at this. And I'm here to tell you that my own philosophy and Kelly's philosophy is you are enough. Trust that you are a human who exists in the world and improvises in it every single day just by virtue of waking up and doing things that you haven't already scripted. Have confidence in your own ability to succeed both on stage and in life and don't listen to people who try to tear you down and make you feel like you aren't good at this. You can do this. You're fucking enough. I am going to just cut that piece of audio and I'm just going to set that as my alarm in the morning. <laughs> Justin Peters, everyone. Uh, I have been Anthony Francis. This has been Other Than Improv and thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. If you're here for improv, go away. 
This is Ozzy's and Improv with Anthony Francis.